Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I'll be your host. Uh, good, to, good to know that uh, all of you folks are listening to us out there. The Frapper map is really taking on, and more about the map in just a few minutes. First, I probably need to let you all know that uh, we had a server uh, situation with our server this past week, which made it difficult for some people to download the podcast. Uh, the short answer is that I'm an advanced class radio operator, and in my mind, there is nothing electronic that I cannot do. However, I was trying to host the podcast out of my home location here using one of my computers as a server, and I had no idea how many people were listening out there, and when last week's podcast was released... Uh, the load was so heavy that nobody was getting a copy the first night. Uh, we have remedied that. We have moved the podcast to a, uh, a web hosting site so that now y'all ought to have all the bandwidth you need to download, uh, each and every episode without any problems at all. Uh, we have so many people listening that, uh, it was really hard for me to keep up. I, I was watching different uh, different uh, URLs on the uh, or IP addresses on the the server, and in the last week we've had nearly 893 hits just on the machine here at the house. So once again, we've moved that to a commercial site. Y'all aren't going to have to do anything. Uh, if you're signed up at iTunes, you're good. If you're signed up at one of the other places, it all feeds through our web page. So uh, there should be no reason for y'all to have to change anything on your end. So now that we've got the bandwidth to support it, y'all get out there and spread the word. And let's see if we can't get even more listeners. Enough of that. Okay, the Frapper map. Uh, the uh, Frapper map's been up a little over a week. And it has exploded. Uh, I'd like to say, say hello to some of the local guys here. Uh, we have people on the map from Mesquite, Texas, Dallas, Texas, Bedford, Texas, Carrollton, Texas, North Richland Hills, Texas, Richardson, Texas, and Fort Worth, Texas. Hello to each and every one of y'all. We also have stations checking in from Colorado Springs, Colorado, Phoenix, Arizona, Newark, New Jersey, Muncie, Indiana, Portland, Oregon, and Reston, Virginia. Uh, thank you to all of you for uh, getting on in here. Tell all your friends about Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. We also have two stations that have checked in from Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. I'd like to say a very uh, heartfelt hello to you guys, uh, Australia man. <laughs> the great thing about Australia is here in Texas, we, we, we like Australia because even though we don't have exactly the same history behind us, uh, the folks in Texas really identify with the Australians, so uh, we're good, glad to have y'all on board. When y'all go over to the Frapper map and uh, stick a pin in the map for us, y'all please uh, put a call sign in 
or a name or something. Uh, that way we can go ahead and thank you personally on Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. Uh, those who have done so, let me go ahead and say hello to them. Uh, November Foxtrot to Lima in Clarkson, New York, and I'm, I think that's right. I'm kind of blind, so I really couldn't read it very well. Uh, welcome to you. We'd also like to say hello to Mark, K5TAO in Mesquite, Texas, and Roy up in Carrollton, Texas, 85KZ. Roy was uh, Roy was on the show, uh, I believe it was last week, discussing repeaters. Uh, hello to, to Roy out there. Okay, let's see what else we got up here. Oh, yeah, the Mobile, Alabama Ham Fest. And unfortunately, I don't have that stuff in front of me. Let me, uh, I'll get back to y'all in the final segment on that ham fest because I don't have all the information right in front of me at this moment. Okay, I did say we moved to a commercial hosting site to uh, host the podcast. The commercial site is going to cost us a little more money. We're going to have another expenditure here at Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. Let me say that Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast, will be a free service to the amateur radio community for as long as we're up and running. It does not cost you a single dime to download and listen to Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. But for those of you who might want to make a donation to help us offset some of the cost of... uh, operating things here you can go on over to the web page and there's now a link on the web page for you to go ahead and click and make a donation through paypal if you should feel so inclined if everybody donated a dollar then we would really be in good shape here be able to upgrade some of our equipment make sure we are able to keep the hosting uh, where it's at and really get things going And I know I'm going in circles, but let me go back to the Frapper map one moment. Everybody listening, please go to the Frapper map and put a pin in so we know where y'all are. Uh, Pretty easy. You go over to our our webpage, the one that hosts the uh, podcast, which is kb5jbv at blogspot.com. And... Go ahead and click on the map. You'll be able to put a pin in there, and we'll be able to see uh, see where y'all, where everybody is. Okay, I think that's what we've got coming up in the next segment. Uh, because of the server problems, I had a difficult time getting an interview recorded for this week. So, uh, what we have is I appeared on Amateur Radio Q and A on March third. And it turned out to be a really good session with a lot of questions and a lot of good answers. And we're going to go ahead and run that for y'all this week. So y'all hang in there and we'll move on to the next segment. And with us here live in the room, we have Kane, we have Chuck P.A., we have Richard, who is KBJ, I mean KB5JBV. We have Paulo and Ron. 
How y'all fellas doing tonight? Doing good. Good. Yeah, we're doing real good there, Jeremy. Just sitting back, drinking a cup of coffee, looking out the window. <laughs> I ain't doing bad at all, seeing how we didn't get the rain we were supposed to today. <laughs> we're supposed to quite a bit, and that it would make a mess. I'm glad we didn't get no rain, because I just washed my truck today. Me too. Broke two. Broke two. I'm just thinking about it melting the rest of the snow and then creating a mess. Okay. Well, Richard said he's back, so... Richard, um, the first thing I really want to talk about is uh, PSK31. Uh, well, first, uh, let's ask these guys if they have any questions about ham radio first, and we'll see if we can answer them. Uh, we'll talk first with Kane. I'm going to just sit back and see if I can learn something. Uh, uh, I don't have my ticket yet, but uh, working on it as time permits, a little bit every night I listen to uh a bit more, and I go to that uh, uh, S. Uh, J. Uh, Chuck, help me out. What's the name of that site that I like to go to a lot? EQSO. EQSO, and I've got a, a, a listener, a shortwave listener uh, ID over there, and I enjoy uh, doing that. Just learning. Yeah, it's a real good program. That's EQSO.com. Is that correct, Chuck? Yeah, dot .com or dot .net, they both take it as the same. Both of them. Okay. How about you, Paulo? Do you have any questions tonight? Um, <clears throat> well, I just love ham radio. Um, the idea of it, anyway. I'd like to, I guess, the, uh, uh, Kane calls it the ticket or your license, I guess. I have a general radio telephone operator's license. You know, I have a background in electronics. So, yeah, just fascinated and want to learn everything I can. Heck, you don't uh, even have to know Morse code anymore. That yeah, is correct. No Morse code. Uh -huh. Not no more. No Morse code. Not even a five words per minute. They've done away with that on the 23rd of February. I mean, you, you can still even... use it, but you don't have to know it before you get your ticket no more. Well, that, that brings me to a question, then. Uh, this is Ron. Okay, uh, Ron. Uh, I, I bought a book about less than a year ago about, you know, learning the code and also about what the first license, you know, needed to be. I know there is what a test. You could actually do it without code, but you're at your first level. Is that right? Before they yeah. change levels? Yeah. It that, was that, called yeah. a no-code tech, but they don't even have that no more. When they so there's no code. Now it's just what? Tech, general, Te and yeah. then the rest of them. Yeah, so you just pass your technician's license? Uh, yeah, that's you go, what I am, Ron. You go, you take the theory... And you can actually just go right for your general, but if you just want to tech, you know, all you do, all it is, is question and answers. Not now, you don't have to know the the code. You have to know, you know, theory like frequencies and other stuff, but you don't have to know Morse code no more. Okay, I'm I'm assuming there's going to be a new book out there. <laughs> so, I, I think you're right, Ron. Uh, well, the the book right now is still valid until June the 30th of this year for the. I think for the general class license, I'm not sure. I think the technician just came out last year. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. But Did they change that, that's right. Did they change the frequencies that a tech can go to now? Um, or beginner? They, they, uh... Well, a tech the technician. If you're just a tech, you can't... You don't have no HF privileges unless you go get your general, from what I understand. Okay. Uh, okay. Chuck, uh, the, the tech... Technicians did pick up some HF frequencies in the 10 meter band. 
I think you have to go for your general. I'm not sure on that now. No. I have to look at the new laws. No. Uh, if uh, if you if you hold a technician license now, you can talk on ten meters on CW, and there's only a real small portion where you can talk on bullets. Not there's not it's like I don't know, 28.3 to 28.35 or something like that. It's a real small area on ten meters. Yeah, well. See, I went the old, I went the old route. I went novice tech, so I've always had HF privileges for a long time. So <laughs> you, you deserve them, <laughs> I can tell you. Yeah, and all those guys. I know there's a lot of guys that's just really mad about them not having any more um, code. But it's it's a it's just as live today as it was back then. I'm looking at the new tech bands here. There's a uh, 80 meters. 40 meters and 15 meters is all CW and on 10 meters you can talk on voice on 28.3 to 28.5 yeah on the upper side uh, single side band yeah or CW either one that's, that's the, the only voice band oh yeah you ain't gonna find too much on 10 meters right now unless the band's opened up though what Excuse me, guys. What about two meter? That stretches from 144 to 148 here in the U.S. Okay. Now, is, it, is the tech able to go to um, to use uh, two meter? Yes. A tech can use all frequencies above. Uh, okay. VHF and UHF. I've yeah. kind of forgotten where all that lies, but if if because uh, I'm I'm kind of interested. I know we have a lot of towers in this area and a lot of people that are. Uh, that travel a hundred or hundred fifty mile radius throughout the area. Uh, when I was listening to my scanner, I could hear a lot of people, you know, like calling home through a um, um, phone patch or whatever. <clears throat> and then I could hear, uh, you know, a lot of the people when we had bad weather get on the two meter and talk about uh, spotting uh, what, tornado cells or cloud cells that might form into a tornado. So that's pretty interesting for me, but I like the idea of having that uh, being on um, two meter. That would be something I'd be interested in. Now, I personally think that on two meters where they usually have the sky-worn weather nets, especially here in my area, you can actually hear the weather before it even hits the TV. I've seen it be a 10-15 minute time gap between the time the ham operators report it and the National Weather Service gets it out to the TV stations. Uh, here, in Dallas, here in Dallas, one of our uh, one of the newscasters on one of the local stations is actually a ham radio operator, so uh, not only do we have him giving updates on the television, we're talking to him on the air at the same time. And that's really nice, and that would, which would be better, I think, for TV stations to have a ham operator on staff. I know Channel 9 down in Tupelo, they have the, one of their weather people is a ham operator, and he's pretty active in it. I know in Binghamton, New York, which ain't too far from me, they actually have somebody right up at the weather, uh, the weather service there that gets on certain frequency when they bring Sky 1 up. So you actually have somebody right in the weather you know, the weather thing, talking with the hams, getting reports and what have you. It's, it's here at Shreveport, the guy that uh, basically um, was doing doing all that for the, the Weather Bureau, uh, worked at the Weather Bureau. He was also a ham, so we, we had him until he retired. 
Well, uh, we have four hams at the weather service office over in Fort Worth also, so they're in there with us. Uh, Dallas County and Tarrant County, well, Dallas County, is uh, everything runs under races instead of Aries, and that's probably probably something you'll have to have explained to you by somebody local because I really don't think we have enough time here to, to have a long discussion about the difference between the two. I can tell you this much, Richard. I don't know. I don't know much about that, but I can tell you if I watch Dallas weather, I can predict what our weather will be in Shreveport <laughs> almost within three hours. That's because we send it all your direction. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's funny? When it snows, it always goes to Texarkana and not Shreveport. We miss it by seventy miles. I'm kind of, I kind of like that part. I do too. Well, Maybe you're driving across I-20 there, and it turns from snow to rain. That's really nice. Yeah. As long as uh, you're one, going east. One last question. I got you guys off the subject, but if um, if I wanted to go find out more about the new licensing and all that, would that website you put out earlier, the EQSO, would that be a good place to start? No, AARL would be the best place. To start. <laughs> okay. Yeah, A-R-R-L. I forgot about those. They would have all the new new laws that went into effect and everything else. Just look around on the A-A-R-L site, website. Okay. And you can actually take online tests, too. To oh, that's get nice. Up to, you know, see if you're up to par on taking the actual live test and so forth. You can take tests right online and and read the new stuff. You, know, you, can, you, know, you can read and take the test and everything, like a, a fake test to see how well you do. And I give you a guide as to what the real thing's going to be like, I guess. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, Ron, that's going to be org. I don't believe the .com will work. It's going to be .org. Thank you. Well, I, I think you guys have answered all my questions. If you guys want to start whatever your <laughs> subject is, I'm, I'll, just sit, I'll just sit back and, and enjoy the rest of it. We actually don't have any plan here, to be honest with you. Uh, I talked to Richard last week here on this particular podcast and wanted to talk to him again about the different types of ham operation, the different modes, and that was kind of going to be the subject, but it was, I'd rather have questions because this is Amateur Radio Q&A. Uh, Paula, would you just to say something? Yeah, I, I was curious, Jeremy, do you have a portable ham radio with you in the, in the truck? I normally don't carry one. Uh, I have before, but I generally don't carry one. Hmm. It's just not any fun or what? Uh, well, yes and no. Uh, I don't really do a lot of talking on the the CB either. I very seldom keep it on, and I didn't find a lot of people talking on the 2-meter band when I did have a mobile rig in my truck. And I just moved into this truck here, you know, about a month ago. And so I really haven't even thought about putting a radio in there yet. Richard oh, is going to be talking about Screaming Bigfoot. I'm not sure exactly what Screaming Bigfoot is. <laughs> Richard, would you like to elaborate? Oh, no. I just I was just <laughs> musing about something I heard last week. Some guys I listened to, they, they get these car crashes and put them on the air and think it's screaming Bigfoot. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so. Uh, another question, Jeremy. Can a, can a portable ham radio talk pretty good? I mean, you said two, uh, uh, two meter, so is that the limit? Or? 
Uh, most people use two meters and 440, which is 70 centimeters. Uh, that refers to the length of the signal, and like the uh, the CB band, that's what we call in the band, the 11 meter band, because it's just right. Well, there's right quite a four. few people that put HF radios in their mobile zone and talk all over oh, the yeah. place riding around. Yeah, if you got a general cast license, that would be all right. But since I don't, then you know I'm not going <laughs> to waste my money on a 10 meter band radio. I've thought about it, but then I don't want to modify it for the chicken band too, and that wouldn't really do me a lot of good. The chicken band? <laughs> yeah, have you never heard the CB band called that? Is, is that what they call it now? Oh, well, that's, I thought that's, that's what we ham operators around here call it. They've been calling that for years. Uh, 11 meters yeah. of chicken van. Yeah. Two chicken we, refer, we, we refer to it as that band we don't talk about. <laughs> now, what band hey. are we talking about? That ain't that bad. I started out there, and a group of us got together and went up on side band, practiced sending the CW back and forth to each other and you know, quizzing each other on a test, and we all went and got our ham ticket. So it ain't that bad, or it wasn't at the time years ago. Well, I started go. back in 93 on the CB band, and I found that we couldn't... Uh, that if you didn't know anybody in my area, then they wouldn't talk to you. So I didn't know anybody, so I pursued a ham license then. I didn't even know a ham operator at the time. And that's what got me into ham radio, and I've enjoyed it ever since. So I've got probably, I don't know, hundreds of friends just via ham radio. Jeremy, I've, uh, I've got a friend that uh, he's probably, oh, probably late 70s. He's a ham operator. He used to be the publisher of uh, the Shreveport Journal, at least his family did. And that racket you're hearing from the ceiling fans. Anyway, it's um, he was he was asking me about podcasting, and I told him about your show tonight. I don't know that he'll show up, but um, he said <laughs> it's kind of funny. He made a statement: Who would want to get on the computer and talk? When you could get on a ham radio and hear all the static and noise and whistling and carrying on. <laughs> that's that's an old timer for you. He's an old timer, and he he says, you know, uh, I gave him. I had a, a transmitter um, that I bought for sixty bucks from uh, this lady whose whose son had passed away. He just built this thing, and it was a Heath kit. And I kept it for years, thinking I was going to get a license, and forgot about it. Well, I found it when I was cleaning out. Uh, the uh, storage uh, room the other day, so I took it down there and gave it to him. And I, you know, actually I told him to try it and see if it worked. And then I told him just keep it; it's yours. You know, play with it. And uh, it was no AM, and I don't even remember the frequencies. But um, he was actually uh, thrilled to have something that old and just a piece of something to play with different. You know, it didn't matter to him. Electronics are a lot of fun. Hey, hey, Jeremy. So, ham radio is not a replacement for a CB for a truck driver. Basically, is probably a good question. I'm, 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 uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't get my mouth engaged. Uh, I can feel that one. No, you probably don't want to go replacing the, uh, uh, go replacing 11 meter radio with a piece of ham equipment. 
Now, I know Ranger does put out a, a ten, some 10-meter 10 and some 12-meter uh, radios that are AM and FM. Unfortunately, that's, that's bad in both situations because we can't use them because they're not sideband. And if somebody who's unlicensed uses them, they could probably end up with a pretty hefty fine. So, uh, yeah, you best keeping those two radios separate. But uh, I know a fellow at WO5Q that used to used to ride, ride around in a truck, and I tell you what, he said he... He didn't have that HF rig talked on at night. He'd gone crazy. So, so like, can a truck driver, uh, I mean, can you talk coast to coast on a ham radio? Furthest away I have worked is Luxembourg or possibly Italy. Uh, Australia used to come in every afternoon on 10 meters when the solar cycle was up. So, yes, sir, you can talk a long way, and it don't take a whole lot of power to do it. See, that, that that would be great for a truck driver. You know, you got buddies around, like, you know, we do that trucker talk uh, show, you know, to be able to talk to people, you know, maybe even uh, more clear sometimes than a, a cell phone. Well, I, what I've been hearing is a lot of the truck drivers are getting tired of hearing the crap on the on the other radio, and they're they're getting their licenses and moving up so they can get up away from it. Uh, I myself haven't been on that band in 15 years, and it's not because I have a problem with it. It's just I got my hands full on the hand bands. I see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd like to check it out as I, as I learn more. Now, with the gen general radio telephone operator's license, I, that's not a ham radio license, right? No, so General Radio Telephone is a commercial license. However, with the stuff that you learn to get that General uh, Radio Telephone license, you could probably walk into a test session and at the very least get your general ticket and possibly even get your extra class ticket now that there's not a code requirement. Okay, yeah, because I, I have a lot of knowledge, you know, about electronics, and so I, just a natural marriage for me, you know, not, you know, I've always been interested. I listened to Art Bell for a long time. I don't know if you ever listened to him, but he's big into ham radio. Right, I, I really haven't listened to Art Bell, but let me, let me put my VE hat on just a minute. Uh, for years, uh, the thing that divided the general class license and the, amateur, uh, the advanced class license was... Uh, AC theory, because you get into uh, questions about leading and lagging phase angles and things like that. Well, now they've moved that particular information up into the extra class test, and with the new licensing structure taking taking effect a month or so back, it we really don't know what direction that stuff's going to move. But like I said, with that with that general radio telephone license, you can probably walk into a, an exam session cold. Uh, you wouldn't have any trouble getting your entry-level license. I really think you'd probably uh, knock that extra class, which is the top-level license, out without any real problem. Yeah, Richard, I'm, I'm curious, Richard. Uh, who is the one who makes out the question pool? Is the FCC responsible for that, or, or who is well, that? Uh, actually, there's a... A set of volunteer examiner coordinators around the company. There's, I think, there's three of them right now. Uh, one is ARRL. They have a coordinator there. Uh, W5YI has a coordinator, 
and there's a group in Colorado that has a coordinator, and it's their job to agree on a set of questions or a question pool for each class of license. Then it has to be submitted to the FCC for approval. Once it's approved, then they can start printing the material and put the license pool out. Uh, all the licenses are on a rotating schedule. Uh, now that we've only got free licenses, that means that extra class will probably be, when the extra class material comes out, it'll be good, probably be good for three years. Then there'll be a new set of extra class questions. Same way with the technician class. It'll come out three years later, there'll have to be another, and they'll come out like one year it'll be technician, one year it'll be general, one year it'll be extra class, then it'll start back over technician again. Over. Do you think that the the test will get harder as time goes by, especially when they phase all three licenses in to keep what what I would call the riffraff out, the ones who don't want to study for a test and answer hard well, questions? It's about earning a license, and that's one of the things that's got the old-timers so angry is they, uh, they think that people nowadays do not earn their license because of the code requirements. But having said that, uh, the tests have become harder as they go along. Uh, Jim Haney, at, uh, we were at uh, one of the ham fests together a couple years ago, and we were sitting there talking. He said, hey, man, you know, I've been in extra class for X amount of years, and I'll tell you right now, I couldn't pass that uh, technician class written exam. And when I went back and looked at it, uh, I agree with him because there's things on there that, I didn't have to know until I was taking my advanced tests. So the, the written tests do get harder, and it's not so much about keeping people out, which is what the league is actually trying to circumvent by getting rid of the uh, code, uh, getting the FCC to drop the code and stuff. But it's about, uh, you know, if you earn the license, if you have to pay your dues to get the license, then you're more likely to be responsible and follow the rules and regulations to keep that license. We've seen what happened with a band that um, people didn't have to take responsibility for their actions, and we also saw what happened to that band. And the thing that makes it even worse is that was one of the best ham DX bands before they gave it to the general public. I thought that was the uh, one that you was talking about. Now, but me personally, I was a what? I'm just, I'm a technician now, and have never passed a code test. And I was against dropping the code for that very reason to keep the the real out. And I'm just that's just my personal opinion, and and I'll always believe that that that's what kept a lot of people out was well, the code test. I think they should have left at least the five words a minute in. I agree yeah, with you. And unfortunately, when the military drops something, everybody else tends to follow. And the Coast Guard, who were the last people to be using uh, Morse code in regular day-to-day -day radio traffic, dropped the, uh, dropped the code, I guess it's been three years ago, about three years ago. And once that happened, the International Telecommunications Union, the ITU, started uh, reassessing because some some uh, countries you had to pass a 15 or 20 word a minute code test to get your entry level license what would have been the equivalent of our novice license 
and they decided that it was a good idea to drop the code. Some of the some of the uh, countries where uh, they could get a hold of voice equipment a whole lot easier than anything else started to follow suit in dropping the code, and eventually everybody had dropped the code except us. Now, there's a handful of countries, I believe, that still require code, but you watch the over the next year or two, they'll probably end up dropping code requirement, too, because uh, the bottom line is that we're in a digital world nowadays, so digital communications is what they're probably going to be pointing everybody forward to. Because I'm getting deaf, and if I could learn CW, anybody could learn CW. It took me forever, but I did it, the five words a minute, anyway. Did it surprise you that the U.S. took so long to drop the code, Richard? No, not really, because once uh, once the FCC started hearing it, uh, they got a lot of negative input. Now, I can't tell you that I saw the emails and stuff, but I can tell you that I know how the FCC works. And if they get positive input on something that they propose to do, then it's a done deal in a month. And if they get a lot of negative, they wait and they bide their time till everybody calms down a little bit, then they push it through. That's why that's why uh, you see them hopping on some of the BPL stuff, but it took them two years to go ahead and drop the code. Uh, this is kind of changing the subject a bit, uh, but it still does with the FCC. We have a, a power company here in our county who a ham operator has notified the FCC that they're causing interference, yet they they have sent notices of liability to the power company, and this has been several years ago, but nothing's been done. Do you think that might be because the money the FCC is not getting from the government? I think we waste a lot of money on other things. Uh, why can't they, the government give more money towards the FCC to help protect our frequencies? Uh, I mean, they're doing a real good job of trying to get this BPL passed through. Well, for the most part, the FCC uh, generates its own revenue by uh, license allocations and that, that business. As far as BPL is concerned, if the power company over there is running BP BPL system and it's causing interference, that pretty much falls in the purview of the amateur radio operators because they're the ones that are going to have to identify it. They're the ones that are going to have to track it down. They're the ones that are going to have to fill out the appropriate paperwork because uh, the electric companies, they've got a little money behind them, and the FCC doesn't like to tangle with people that have money behind them. So the bottom line is that they're probably uh, going to have to file and file and file, and that would that would mean that y'all would need a, a strong section manager up there. And we had one at one time here in this section that uh, as soon as he even thought there was going to be a BPL installation going in, he was on top of it with his guys with all their equipment, and they had the paperwork filed before these guys could get the even get their tests done on it. So it's kind of boiled down to that in this area, there's a couple of companies that are going to try and run uh, the uh, the uh, electric meter monitoring systems, which are they're basically BPL. And chances are, as soon as they come up, they're going to shut them back down. We had a test site over in Irving, which is on the other side of the county from here, and 
the upside of it was that, yes, it was tearing up all the radios in, in that area, and it was really loud and obnoxious. But when the guy out there uh, with his test equipment got in his truck and keyed up his two-meter radio, he brought the whole thing down. So that right there is amateur radio in action. I'm going to have to do that with mine. They just started doing that here with the uh, power meters, you know, sending the thing back so they don't have to come out and read them and all that via the power lines. Yeah, they're talk talking about doing that in a couple cities here. Because they just replaced my my whole meter last week, you know, with a new meter that'll automatically communicate back on the tunnel if there's a power outage and, and so forth. Yeah, well, the whole BPL battle, we've been fighting it in the trenches for for a couple of years now. And it, bottom line is, it's grassroots, man. It's uh, going to be the ham radio operators going out there and doing 99% of the work to keep it going. They're supposed to fall under Type 15 regulations. Unfortunately, uh, unless somebody raises a stink about it, they're, they're not going to do anything but run out run run right over the top of everybody. And the bottom line is that everybody knows these utilities, once they start getting fine after fine after fine, they start rethinking their situation on stuff. What can we as ham operators do to keep this from coming to our area, Richard? Well, uh, your first and, and best action is to get in touch with your section manager. Or if he has someone on on a BPL task force here in North Texas, we have a BPL task force that was set up by one of the section managers uh, several years back. And these guys, they don't even have to, the section manager doesn't even have to fool with them. They stay on top of stuff. Uh, but the first place to start is going to be your section manager because your section level officials are the guys that are going to have to dig in and uh, work on this thing. I mean, Newington, Newington's going to make sure we got people in Congress, but they don't have the people there to send out to every section to, uh, to uh, work on these things. So your section manager is always your first point of contact on this thing. So, now, as section manager, you're, that's part of the AWRL, is that correct? Right, right. That'll be the league. Now, a lot of people don't think they should... Uh, uh, get in touch with these guys because uh, there are a lot of a lot of folks that have been AWRL members that are not now. Some that have never been AWRL members, but something like BPL is something that it affects the entire amateur radio community. So even if you're not an AWRL member, uh, you can express your opinion to the AWRL's section manager in your section and let them know the, what's going on and how you feel about it and everything else because uh, first and foremost, like I said, it affects all amateur radio operators. But secondly, they're looking at, you know, if they help you out, you might decide to join the league. Okay, well, you, you pretty much answered my question there. I was, as a non-AWRL member, but former member, I was going to ask you if they would uh, listen to my my questions and or answer my questions for me. I guess I, I should say. 
Well, I can guarantee you right now that uh, one of the assistant section managers for the North Texas section is listening to your concerns right now. I'm going to post a, a link here that is a part of the AWRL website. It has information on BPL. Uh, for those listening to the download, that's awrl.org slash TIS slash info slash HTML slash PLC slash. And I will put that link in the show notes. Let me insert one more piece of uh, shameless promotion. Uh, 33 minutes and 3 seconds into the podcast. Uh, I'm going to say this real quick. I am not an avid, uh, diehard AWRL member. I am a member of AWRL. And I was an ex-member for several years. And there were years that I just never had had anything to do with them. But... No matter how you feel about the AWRL, no matter what your experiences have been, good or bad, uh, every ham radio operator should be a member of the AWRL simply because they are our voice in Washington and they are our voice in the state capital in whatever state you're in. So whether you agree or disagree with some of the stuff they pull, and let me tell you, I disagree with my fair share, Uh, the money that you pay in membership one time a year helps pay for these guys to go into the legislatures in these states and in uh, Washington and keep them from taking all our stuff away from us because there's commercial interests that would dearly love to have our amateur bands. And let me take my soapbox and slide it back up under the desk and listen, let somebody else talk for a few minutes. Uh, I would like you to promote your your podcast as well uh, while we're talking about promoting stuff, uh, Resonant Frequency. Resonant Frequency has reached a milestone. We are now listed on iTunes. For those of y'all who are listening... Go right on over to iTunes and subscribe. It's easy as a couple clicks, and you you can have us there. For those of you who are not on iTunes, we are also on, see, Jeremy caught me without my notebook in front of me. We are also available on Podnova, Podcast Alley, uh, Page Flakes, Yahoo, and if none of those work for you, go on over to FeedBurner, at feeds, F-E-E-D-S dot feedburner dot com stroke resonant frequency, all one word, and throw that into your podcatcher and you can hit it that way. We've had uh, subscribers coming in. We're picking them up daily. They're using everything from iTunes to Juice to uh, just their regular old uh, RSS reader. And we plan on big things. We got a handful of folks lined up to come visit with us and talk about amateur radio. So once again, let me remind you, y'all come visit it. Come visit Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. Cast, 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 cast. Oh, thank you, Richard. Um, well, I had something I was going to ask you, and it just slipped my mind. Oh, the email that you sent me earlier this week was asking if you can use snippets of our last talk cast here on TalkShoe. 
Uh, did you use those on our last on your last podcast on number two? Yeah, I did. I had to edit down a little bit for time considerations, but for the most part, most of it is there. Okay, I, I was just I was just curious if you had had played that on uh, our parts, bits, and pieces of your the last podcast we had here. I've been um, doing a really lame segment on the history of '73. Uh, the history of '73. You'd be surprised how many people still say '73s. That's one of my pet peeves in in ham radio. Me too, because 73 is best regards, and so if you put an S on the back of it, it's best regards is. Yep. And also these people that say uh, this is KC5UIC4ID. Uh, I'm not too thrilled about that either, because I just throw on my call sign. I just say N1LEE or whatever. I don't say 73. Yep. So if I'm done talking with somebody, I'll say, well, catch you later. <laughs> there you go. Uh, actually, on the on the ID portion of it, you know, after so many years of saying four ID and everybody's starting to get upset about it, gotten to the point that when when I throw mine out, it comes out KB five JBV for license retention purposes. <laughs> Just like if I'm talking to somebody else, some people they'll repeat their you know the person's call sign they're talking to and then their own. I don't. I just talk with them like we're talking here and let them ID themselves every 10 minutes and I'll do mine and that's it. Well, Chuck, I'm, I'm... Go ahead, Jeremy. I was going to ask Chuck, uh, when you're calling somebody in your area on the, say, the two-meter repeater, how do y'all go about doing that? I just make sure it ain't be used up and I'll say, hey, yo, and blah, 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 whatever, you're around listening? Yo, and then I'll say, yo, his call sign and then his name. If not, and I'll say, well, I guess not. And I just say N1LE clear. That's it. Why? Oh, well, I was just curious. So, what about y'all, Richard? How do y'all, when y'all are calling somebody on the two meter ID or uh, two meter repeater? I understand you're gonna wait until the frequency is clear, but when you you want to get a hold of a certain station, how do you proceed in calling that station? Well, if the, if the frequency is not in use. Around here, it be like KB5JBV or uh, excuse me, WY5V is KB5JBV. Now, if I happen to hear WY5V, whose name is Andy, and he's ending up a conversation and uh, just about finished and going to jump off there, and I need to talk to him real quick, I key up the radio and go, "Hey, Andy." Okay, I was just curious. In our area, we we generally. Uh, put the other station's call sign out there, then ours, and then we wait for a few seconds, and then we might call again, and then <coughs> bear ourselves out. I, I know some some areas don't like you to say this is KC5UIC clear, uh, but I usually say clear monitoring or I mean, clear if that means I'm going to be off the frequency. Uh, we very seldom use our first names whenever we're calling somebody, even if we hear somebody like that, but I was just curious how y'all, I know it's done different ways in different parts of the country. Well, the fact of the matter is, people try to overthink this, amateur radio is not a professional service, we are unpaid operators. Now, that doesn't say anything about our operating skill, what it says is that we are not commercial radio operators. So, 
as far as trying to sound, and there are guys over in Dallas at the uh, Dallas Amateur Radio Club, they all take it too serious, and they want to sound like, they think sounding, being a good radio operator is to sound like you're on a commercial radio. But I'll tell you right now, some of these guys I hear on commercial radios and listen to on the scanner at police departments and fire departments, they do not have a clue, and it's a good thing they have us in case something happens. I think you're right. Uh, I like your opinion on something else. Uh, we're, I don't guess we're going to talk about the different modes of amateur radio tonight, but that's fine, too. Uh, we can talk about anything we want to talk about. It's our our show. Um, I understand that there's uh, a proposal for you to not be identifying every 10 minutes, but to identify every 30 minutes now. Uh, do you have an opinion on that? Do you think we ought to identify less often or maybe well, you know, keep the, it at the 10 thing minutes? Is, for, for years, uh, commercial broadcast stations have only been required, I believe, to ID at the top and the bottom of the hour, and it may just be the top of the hour. Uh, however, I really think that uh, the 10-minute ID require, requirement for amateur radio operators need to be needs to stay in place, and that comes from that official observer hat sitting over there on the table for the simple fact that if you are monitoring a station like that, which is the job of the OO, uh, and you have to sit there for a half hour or an hour or however long before you get an ID. And some of these guys aren't real clear when they throw their ID across, so you may be sitting there for hours trying to figure out who your guy is. But uh, the fact of the matter is, I really don't think that'd be a good idea, and it doesn't hurt anybody for us to ID every 10 minutes. In fact, my opinion's always been better to ID too often than not often enough, so... You'll hear me IDing there for two or three minutes sometimes depending uh, on whether I can see a clock or not. Somebody out there keeps what they have to say. If I'm on a repeater, I just ID myself every time the repeater IDs. That's usually right around the 10-minute mark anyway. Well, there you go. I mean, the repeaters, 99% of the time, repeater uh, uh, IDs on the 9 are probably a 9 and a half. And, you know, I don't see any problem with that. Um, you know, uh, IDs, uh, we want to know who we're talking to, and when we hear a conversation, we want to know who's talking, so we know that uh, those who are not supposed to be on our frequencies are not on there. Well, fellas, I'm fixing to wrap it up. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to get out of here. Uh, I, I wish I didn't have to, but I need to. Uh, I'd like to thank Kane and Richard and Chuck and Paolo and Ron for joining me tonight. I appreciate y'all uh, joining and listening in. And Richard, especially you and Chuck for all the comments. And Ron and Paolo for the questions. It was fun. Ron and, and Ron and Paolo, if uh, if y'all are wanting some information, y'all can uh, send me an email and I'll try and answer your questions for you if you'd like. My email address is kb5jbv, Juliet Bravo Victor, at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. That way, uh, 
if y'all have some questions, maybe we can get y'all headed along that direction. And, Ron, maybe I can warn you if we're sending any snow your direction. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> okay, let me make sure I got this. KB, KB5JBV. That is correct. A lot of people get it wrong, so I have to repeat it over and over and over again. It's a, it's a real mouthful when you try to say it. But I was having trouble. Uh, I got it written down, but I was having trouble reading my writing. That's why. <laughs> well, if you look at his name in the chat thing, he's got his call sign on the end of his name. I just saw that. <laughs> that's good. I, well, I just that's, pulled out the book about. It's called "You're uh, Now You're Talking," and uh, it's about the technical level. Said it was good until July the first, unless there were some changes made. So I guess that uh, answered my question. Ninety nine percent of that information will be the same. If they make changes in, in the question pool, they'll change probably a handful of questions. So ninety nine percent of that information is going to be good. Um, oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. Y'all go ahead a minute, see if I can get it back. <laughs> Ron, that's a really good book. That's the book that I used back in 1993 to pass my test. Fantastic. Yeah, now you're talking. It was published by the AWRL back then. I used that way back when, when I got my novice test. Oh, yeah. They they update it from time to time. Uh, We actually had the club out here uh, purchase some copies and donate them to the Boy Scouts out here so they could get their licenses. Yeah, that came with the tapes and everything else. Uh, yeah, this one didn't come with anything but a book, but I, no- I noticed where you could order it with a book uh, with a. So I'm going back. I'm going oh. back over 20 years ago. So. Yeah, so I, I got yeah, I got it at a bookstore. Actually, this is my second one. I've had another one that was uh, goes a little further back, but um, I've got an ARL ARRL amateur license. Let's see, what is it? Oh, it's the Antenna Handbook, which I love fooling around with stuff like that. And I've had Plus, for any updates, if you go to the uh, league's site, the ARRL site, you'll see, you know, most likely you'll see any updates up on that site if you look around and find, you know, for the novice, the general, or what have you. Yeah, I'm, I'm there now. The only, only thing that I, I would, well, I guess the only question I have left would be this, and that is this, if... Um, uh, it may be too soon to, to ask, you know, like um, what the changes are, but I'm, I'm pretty sure if I just started studying what I've got, I'd probably be way ahead in the long run. But um, uh, And I do know several people who could give me the uh, the exam locally, so I don't have a problem with that. The only thing I, I have a problem with is time to do it, you know, and that's that – I would just the, – the, uh, oh, I know what I, I lost in my thoughts there. The um, – what radio or what frequency would you suggest a beginner to start out with? And I'll just close with that and let Jeremy get out of here. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right. I'll tell you right now. If you have a scanner, uh, a handheld or desktop scanner, uh, go on the internet and look up some uh, two-meter repeaters for your area. You're at Shreveport. You ought to have plenty of them, man. Uh, right. There and there and in. Uh, oh, doggone. Shreveport, Bozier City. City. Yeah, over in Bozier City. Uh, since y'all got got uh, such a booming business going on out there right now, 
Uh, things should have grown up. A handful of them guys should have put some repeaters up. So get your scanner, go over on the Internet, look up uh, 2 meter and 440 frequencies over in Treeport and Bowser City, and listen to them things for a while. You can get more. You can learn more about ham radio that by listening to the operators operate than any other way. Fantastic. Okay, well, thanks a lot, guys. Jeremy, appreciate you letting me ask that last question. You're mighty welcome. I'm going to try to be back in here maybe next Saturday or Saturday week and do another show. And we'll have we'll have Richard back on, and then we can talk about tonight's subject. Oh, no, no. Chuck, Chuck, <laughs> you need to go look that up, man. Look what up? <laughs> Digital communication. Uh, I used to be, about, I mean, there's all kinds of digital communications. Though. There's satellite, there's an Amtor packet, RIDI, what have you. So you there's a lot of stuff that, you, you know, for the ones that are listening, there's a lot of stuff you can do in amateur radio besides uh, talking voice and CW. I mean, there's satellite, there's all different, there's slow scan TV, there's all kinds of stuff if you can afford the equipment. There you go. Yeah, there's all kinds. There's so many different aspects of amateur radio that it's it's appealing to everyone, and you can spend years uh, going through all the different aspects of it, trying them out to see what you want to do best. I myself want to send a heartfelt he- uh, hello out to Hojo, and uh, we're glad to see him on this particular show. Since uh, I just figured out that I'm an idiot and he's not online. <laughs> yeah, but. Richard, Jeremy, and Hojo is the same people. You're kidding me. No, we are the same people. And <laughs> why are you on twice? <laughs> because I got knocked off earlier. Gizmo hung up on me, and it didn't knock me off the top shoe, so I can call back in with the same ID. Well, hello anyway. That's one of hello, Jeremy's, Richard. That's one of Jeremy's y'all, aliases. Y'all that's watch my... out for screen. You know, y'all watch out for screaming big feet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, y'all fellas have a good night, and I'll uh, I'll be here listening if y'all want to stay in here for a little while. If you'd like to shoot me an email, my address is kc 5 echo Yankee Charlie at jeremyholly.com. And also, I'd like for y'all to go to iTunes and write me a review. I would appreciate it. And this is Jeremy to KC5EYC saying 73. And there you go. Uh, we'd like to thank Jeremy uh, over at Amateur Radio Q&A for allowing us to use portions of his program. Uh, I really think uh, it doesn't hurt to go over and uh, give it, give him a try. He, his shows aren't real regular, but if you'll go over to Talk Shoe and punch in Amateur Radio Q&A, uh, you ought to be able to keep up when, with when the next scheduled show is. <clears throat> Alrighty, Mobile, Alabama Ham Fest. I promised y'all that before we went to uh, went to the last segment. Mobile, Alabama, our uh, Mobile Amateur Radio Club in Mobile, Alabama, is holding Ham Fest on the 20th and 21st, I assume, of this month because it doesn't give a month. 
from 3 to 6 on Friday and from 7 a.m. to, I believe, 8 p.m. on Friday. It says a.m., but we're going to hope it's not only an hour long. Uh, they're going to have license testing, uh, some door prizes, including the N3 FJP ham software bundle, uh, tables for vendors, and commercial vendors will be like B-Square Engineering, Memphis Amateur, Alabama Radio, MCM Computers, Tower Electronics, our friend Rick the Sign Man from Baton Rouge, uh, and some others. Uh, they will have a flea market, uh, refreshments, talk-in information on uh, 146.820. In fact, uh, y'all go on over to their website, which is um, w4iax.com, and that'll... Uh, you can get all that information there. Once again, uh, Mobile, Alabama... Uh, ham fest on the 20th and 21st of this month alrighty what else have we got before we go uh, I'd like to send out a, a thanks to Gene Steinberg over at the Paracast who uh, helped us out with the uh, getting things worked out where the server issue was concerned this last week if y'all are interested in uh, UFOs and stuff y'all go give Gene and uh, David a, a listen they have a website that will uh, point you in the right direction. It's www.theparacast.com. And uh, those guys are out of Las Vegas, and <laughs> they get some really interesting folks on there. Alrighty, Let me make mention real quick that all Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, shows are covered under a Creative Commons license. For those of y'all who don't... Uh, aren't familiar with that let's just say that you may use bits and pieces of resonant frequency the amateur radio podcast for any purpose that you may want to use them as long as you are not uh, being reimbursed or receiving remuneration for them amateur uh, resonant frequency the amateur radio podcast is a free service to the amateur radio community and i want to i want to keep it that way um any other use than uh in a free use somebody y'all need to get a hold of me and we'll we'll talk about it one more time the frapper map y'all go over and stick a pin in the frapper map attach a call sign to it for me so i can go ahead and uh thank you and talk about you on the on the podcast here that'll be over at the website which is kb5jbv.blogspot.com and real easy going over and stick your pin in the map. Okay. If y'all have any guests, let me talk about this first. We are currently negotiating with a fellow from the National Traffic System to get him on the show. Uh, folks over at the Hurricane Watch Net. Um, uh, 3905 Century Club. Um, AMSAT. We're, we're really working to get y'all some... Uh, some interesting content going on here. So, yeah, I'm sorry about this week because I did have my hands full with the server issue, but we have that, uh, I believe, squared away. So, if you have any... Y'all remember, this show is listener-driven. So, I really uh, 
it's really helpful when I get comments and suggestions and stuff from you guys. So if y'all have any ideas for guests, y'all know somebody who's proficient in a particular field, amateur radio, and uh, you think they'd make a good guest for the show, y'all let me know. If you have ham fest you want announced on Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, go ahead and send those along. If you have comments concerning the content of our program, or uh, uh, y'all just don't like the way I sound, y'all send me an email and let me know. If you have any suggestions uh, as far as improvements we can make or uh, other things, or even if you just want to say hello, hey, I listen to your show and I like it, or hey, I listen to your show and you're full of crap. Either way, I like those emails. So y'all send those in. All right, the addresses for the different stuff at this time, the webpage, once again, is at kb5jbv.blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T, blogspot.com. And emails can be addressed to kb5jbv at gmail.com, kb5jbv, Juliet Bravo Victor, at gmail.com alrighty last but not least we're going to thank everybody we can once again thanks to Gene Steinberg for helping us out this past week thank you to Jeremy over at Amateur Radio Q&A we'd also like to thank Midlife Crisis for the music heard on this program Uh, I'd like to thank my wife Brenda for putting up with me and all the hams around the world y'all sure enough Sure enough, keep on listening, because we're going to be bringing it to you. Uh, This is my way of Elmering, since uh, everything else has seemed to go by the wayside, and I like to teach folks stuff, and the best way to teach folks stuff is to go out and find the people that know what they're doing. So until next week, y'all keep downloading those episodes. Make sure you tell your friends about us. Everybody have a good week in 73.